Cute guys. Um, Mel, thanks for where's yeah, thank you for for um, that word as well. It all makes sense now. Um, it's good to see you. We've, uh, it feels like we've uh, already had a full service, eh? <laughs> uh, we are these days um, pushing our, pushing the limits, eh? <laughs> so three o'clock today. Okay, there's at least one smile here in the, in the front. Okay, I at least have a voucher, so, <laughs> so I'll have a meal afterwards. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate that. Um, I want to continue on something that um, Safiso spoke about, and I spoke about it the week before that, um, and I want to continue in that line. And uh, I'm trusting that God is going to today do something special in your heart. I really believe some of us must just this morning tap into, into Him. You know, I, I think what we, we often miss is, um, and we spoke about it last week, when it gets to fruit, is we put all the emphasis and the pressure on ourselves to perform and to do uh, great exploits for God. And it was so beautiful to hear Mel saying this morning as well, you know, that it's, it's only by God's grace. It's actually nothing that we can do that is so amazing. Um, but is it not amazing when we get to surrender, when we get to that place where we can understand uh, His presence in our lives? And I want to talk about a few things this morning, which actually was stolen from me um, through a few testimonies. So, um, so I'll get you back with, for that. But um, <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 1 to 12 is something that God has um, been speaking to me all week or for weeks now. Then He brought me back. If you have your Bibles with you, and I know you've got fancy Bibles in electronic format. Those things can make notes as well, eh? Juan? <laughs> just want you to, uh, to mark a few things because I really believe we must uh, revisit this um, uh, in a while from now, you know, to get back to, to the things that God is speaking to us. You know, the, the words that God is giving us, it's not about how the preachers even con convey them. Um, it's about what God wants to say to us. And, and this morning I would want to um, trust that God is going to do something special in your heart. So verse 1 of Ezekiel chapter 47. Then he brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from be below the threshold of the temple toward the east. For the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar, and um, can we just quickly go to that picture, um, if it's possible. I want to just show you the picture. I think it's after the scripture. Um, there you are. So, um, so there's the temple according to Ezekiel, and I'll be telling you, uh, giving you some context now, but just to give you an indication. Um, so it went from the south part of the, of the altar, and then it went all the way to the east gate. And it, um, it left through the east gate. And then um, it says, Then he brought me out by the way of the north gate, and he led me around outside the outer gate, the faces toward the east. Okay, so it's the east gate. And behold, the water was trickling. I want you to make a mark there if you, if you know how to, uh, to harness that um, electronic device of yours. Um, make, a, make a note there, trickling out of um, on the south side going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water and it was ankle deep okay so i want you to see the progression that's taking place here um, verse four again he measured a thousand so another thousand um, cubits and led me through the water and it was this time knee deep Morning. It's good to see you guys. <laughs> You've arrived. <laughs> the GPS. Again, um, so it's now knee deep. Are you still with me? You strong? Okay, I want you to uh, go with the progression. Again, he measured a thousand. So it's now, it was a one thousand from the east gate. And then it was ankle deep. Another thousand. And then it was knee deep. And again he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. And again he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through. 
for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Question. Son of man, have you seen this? So uh, while you are marking uh, on those amazing devices, so we've got a trickling, we've got an ankle deep, we've got a knee deep, we've got a waist deep, and then we've got swimming deep. <laughs> um, or all over. And um, it was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, Son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. This is now on the bank. And he said, As I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, This water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into Arabah. And enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live. And there will be very many fish. For this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So everything will live where the river goes. This is beautiful. So everything will live where the river goes. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from... In Gedi, in Eglam, it will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds and little of fish, um, like the fish of the Great Sea, which is the Mediterranean Sea, we know. So uh, the same fish that you would see in the Mediterranean Sea, you would see in the Dead Sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become fresh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks, on both sides of the river... They will grow all kinds of tree for good, or oh, for food, sorry. Grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither, neither fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every, every, every month. Mark that, every month. Because the water for them flows from the, okay, there's a note, flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. And I want to just highlight a few things. I, I really believe um, this is such a beautiful picture of the spiritual walk that God walks with us. You know, it's, um, this is a time in Ezekiel's um, uh, reign, or not reign, as um, office, in, as prophet. Um, he's now in captivity in Babylon. And... Um, as is, you know, the, uh, the other prophets like Jeremiah. And, um, you know, for the 70 years in Babylon, um, they receive a few amazing um, visions of which this one of Ezekiel is, is precious because you'll see all the way from chapter 39. He's talking about um, God's plan still for, for Israel and that God has not forsaken them. Now, at this point of, of Ezekiel's um, visions... He's actually um, uh, talking about a, I would believe, a future event. Um, and we know that because at this stage, uh, we don't, we've not seen the rivers flowing from Jerusalem. Um, so it's not a natural thing that is happening at this moment. There's only one river that was there, the Kidron um, uh, River. And we know that today it's even a dry river. So it's called the Kidron Valley. It's not the Kidron River anymore. So there's no rivers flowing from Jerusalem at this moment. Um, so it's definitely not a temple that was rebuilt in after the 70 years. We know that for sure. Um, he gave all the exact measurements. And um, we also know that there is not a river or there is no life in the Dead Sea yet. Um, so it's definitely not a prophecy that came to fulfillment in the meanwhile. There's... Um, there's also no temple there today. We know that it was destroyed, and we know that uh, Ezekiel's temple was definitely not established. And uh, some Jews even believe that they were disobedient and they didn't uh, build the temple. But according to the measurements that we see of Ezekiel's temple, we know that they could not even build such a temple with the kind of engineering that they had at those um, days. Okay, So it's something that can be built today, uh, but I can promise you... Um, that will only happen in, uh, if Jesus comes <laughs> because it should happen 
at the exact place where the temple was built. And we know the chaos, or not the chaos, the, um, um, the difficulty that that brings to Jerusalem today and, um, and what's happening in Jerusalem. So, so we know this is a future event. We know that uh, it's probably the millennial rule of Christ because it also speaks about a temple that would be restored. We know that Christ will be coming, and this is, is probably a vision that he is talking about after Armageddon is taking place, and the rapture is taking place, and Jesus is busy with a, 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 a hundred, a thousand um, year rule, a millennial rule. So which means that at this time, um, he's giving a glimpse of what's going to happen in the future. But this happens in the midst of their captivity in difficult circumstances. Uh, Ezekiel is under tremendous pressure and there's no reason for him actually now to get ex all excited about a temple while they are in exile. Because um, for them as the people of God, there's no promise that they would even get back into um, Israel. But in the midst of this, God gives him this vision and I want to this morning just expand on that because my first question would be to you why does the river become deeper it first speaks of of a trickle now we know that water is the work and the ministry of the holy spirit and um, how much does the holy spirit work in our lives and this is my question to you this morning um, how much does the holy spirit operate in your daily life when you receive them you receive them in fullness which is a powerful river and a force to be reckoned with. Do you recognize that? The spirit that is within us today is not different than the spirit that we received the first day when we got to Christ. Is that the truth? But our revelation in getting there is growing stronger. And so um, how much is he involved in your everyday life to such an extent that that river can be seen? And, um, and I want to say to you, when that little trickle starts in our lives, you know, nobody hardly recognizes what's happening. And it's strange how we uh, get overwhelmed by the circumstances of life and even the oppression of Babylon. And, you know, the, the difficulty that we see is happening all around us. And yet in the midst of this, we know that there's a little trickle that God has given us that has the potential to become a river. And I want to say to you this morning, in your life, there's a little trickle, maybe, that nobody even recognizes in your life at this moment, but there's hope. Because that trickle can become the mighty river that God wants to fulfill in your life. And so, so I, can, I can say to you, in the middle of the despair that they are experiencing, there's a mighty growth that is busy taking place. And this morning, uh, I want to say to you, that's so typical of how God starts in our lives. And maybe it's seasonal and maybe it's, you know, you're all over your um, growth in your life. But um, it's strange how, you know, when we go and sit at God's feet, He shows us those trickles. And as we nurture it, He can uh, start to work at it. But you know what? It also needs to be nurtured. And, uh, you know, if we look at the Bible, there's so many examples of this, you know, even reading Jeremiah 1 verse 5 this week and, and, and just, um, you know, seeing how Jeremiah grew to become a prophet. There was a prophecy that he would be, be a prophet and then how he grew into stature, into becoming greater in God. To look at Samuel that was led by an Eli to become the great prophet that um, could um, do great exploits for God. Elisha. That was um, oh, Elijah that was um, speaking into Elijah's life, Elisha's life. I want to say to you this morning, it was beautiful even the words that came out, is we need to nurture the little trickles in one another's lives. Because we need Eli's in our lives. We need Elijah's in our lives that can nurture us to to recognize the trickles that we don't even see. That can nurture the little spring that God has placed in our lives. And I can tell you there's all the potential already in your life that God can just explode if you are willing to be nurtured to a place where God can let the mighty river flow. And so, 
there's so many uncommissioned um, uh, people in, in the church today, people that are just, you know, trying to find that little trickle, but they don't know how to be commissioned into a place where they can have the boldness to fulfill Christ's work in their lives. And it's our responsibility as the people of God to get excited about the little trickles in people's lives. And I can tell you, don't underestimate what God has already started in your life. Then it speaks about the ankle-deep um, Christians. You know, the people that, that are just no, uh, willing to, to go into the water, but stay in the water and, um, and not go any further. Satisfied with nominal experience and observe only others enjoying the fullness. The Holy Spirit does not influ influence their daily life their everyday life. When they go to work, they know not of the Holy Spirit as a living reality. You find it difficult to see in their lives, you know, that there's any evidence of Christ happening there. And well done, Mel and Sofiso, you know, and just for, for being willing, willing to go beyond the stage of ankle deep and to uh, allow other people to experience the fullness. Their actions are carnally and their speech without any mention of his influence. And, um, you know, there's so many Christians today that are willing to only splash around in the shallow waters. That wants the benefits of receiving Christ, but they don't want to have the fullness of what Christ wants to offer to them. And um, there's no expectation for, for him to influence or form their perceptions. When they buy from Amazon, and um, I deliberately put it here, when they buy from Amazon, there's no filters that indicate that they are intentional in representing the King of Kings. And I'm saying this because this is the challenge that we live by, is we are so willing to uh, be dictated and just soothe our, ourselves in telling ourselves that, listen, if I can just be ankle deep, I'm fine. I'm safe. And yet, when we, we click that uh, Amazon box, you know, is that representation of what Christ wants in our lives? Christians are willing to explore with all kinds of concept these days that are not representing the fullness of Him inside of us. Ankle deep. It's strange how crazy people with messed up minds are the heroes in our stories these days. I look at Netflix and I find it so amusing. It's the most messed up FBI agents that are so obsessed with work and uh, they've got nothing going in their lives and yet they are the heroes that we follow from week to week and watch the one episode after the other. Okay, am I the only one that... <laughs> oh, you can't afford Netflix, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Amazon Prime. It's, uh, it's strange how, you know, it's, um, it's the sexually ob obsessed people that can't even um, differentiate between reality and fantasy. They are the people that we follow and we get excited about on these um, series channels. Are you with me this morning? I watch these things and I think... You know, how did we get to a point in society today where we as Christians even have the kind of heroes that always are the failures in life and, and don't um, get by? That are so addicted that they are only surviving rather than to conquer. But we choose that. We want to be ankle deep. And I want to be honest with you this morning because I'm concerned about where the church is at today. And we say that this is a Christian nation because, and I can tell you that there's so many people depressed in this nation and they are not finding solutions to everyday life. And it's because we are willing to stay ankle deep. You know, I like uh, sword fights and, um, you know, old, old castles and amazing war stories. But it's strange how even those stories are, you know, stories of power-hungry and obsessed leaders that satisfy only their own desires. But they are the heroes that we follow from, um, on, a, on a daily basis. And I can tell you, 
As Christians, we are so satisfied in being anchored. The power of the Holy Spirit has lost its influence over our decision-making. Do we really want to live lives of ankle-deep experiences? Um, and the next one is the one of knee-deep. Then uh, Ezekiel walks a little bit deeper. And, um, and, and I want to just mention again, you know, it's for me so evident that this man leading um, Ezekiel is taking him further into a place of, of surrender. Some of us move from splashing into the waters to get more serious and get on our knees to inquire from God. And you know what? It symbolized the fact that uh, we realize that when we want to go from ankle deep to knee deep, we need to bow our knee and start to, to communicate with God, start to speak to Him about things. And so... Uh, I can tell you um, it's strange how the desperation in our lives, the difficult circumstances, the, the dryness in our lives force us to a place where we must bow our knee and come closer to God. And yet we think that this is the ultimate. There's some things, some battles that can only be fought on our knees. And we think the ultimate. We think that if we start to communicate with God and we can you know, pray to Him that um, this is the ultimate. And yet, it brings us to, to the next one, and that is the one of waist deep. Water up to the waist takes away our strength and dictates our actions by the flow of the river. Um, and I don't know about you, but it's strange how when you are in the river and you get to waist deep, there's no power in your body anymore because I, I don't know about you, but... Um, there's no ways that you can run against the, the, the flow of the river while you are waist deep. It's as if you lose all your strength. It's as if you are paralyzed to the point where you need to surrender to what the river has to offer you. When we grow in Christ, when we experience the fullness, and, and, and I want to say to you, is this trickle that starts in our lives, a reflection of the power of the Almighty One that this, this is the source of this? No, it's our capacity and ability to actually receive and to make Him more in our lives. The ability to, to uh, allow Him to transform us, to become greater in us, to, to bring us to the place of waist deep. Are you willing to get to that place where you lose all power because you know, even for Peter, it meant, God, can we just make a few tents here and uh, keep your presence in this place because we want to keep whatever is um, so precious of having you with us. And it's strange how we start to structure our lives and, and to even, you know, make certain plans around how we're going to facilitate God's flow in our lives rather than to allow the Holy Spirit to take over our strength. And not our plans, but God's plans start to fulfill in our lives. So my question to you this morning is, how much of your own plans is busy facilitating God in your life? Or are you really surrendering to the point where you can't swim, or can't um, stand anymore? Where you can't um, take your own power and dictate what God must do in your life? How many of the plans that you are making toward your future, and Chrissy said it this morning, are you busy planning because you had your five-year and your ten-year plan rather than God helping you to surrender and go with wherever the flow of the river goes? Because when you're waist deep, I can tell you, there's a place of surrender that you find yourself in where you need to, to understand that it, it's a powerful river and it can even be destructive if you go against it. But you must make the decision to either surrender or to allow it to, do, to fulfill its full purpose in your life. Our perceptions and our ideas, rather than to surrender to His ways. And, um, and the last one is um, the one of jumping in and swimming. The fact that, you know, we, when we get into the fullness of the flow of the river, you cannot swim if you are sitting with your feet in the water. On the bank. You cannot swim if you are hanging 
on something that's drifting in the water. You cannot swim if you are hanging to somebody in the water. Are you with me this morning? Some of us are gladly just sitting next to the river and we're observing and we, we want to be part of the river and we aspire to be part of the river and we even dream about how we're going to get part of the river. But until you jump in and start to swim and allow the river to flow and you go wherever the river leads you, you'll never be at the place of surrender. Because I can tell you the river goes wherever it wants. Not even the temple you know, hinders that little trickle to go. There's an amazing way in which we, you know, must recognize this morning that our hands cannot even keep the river from flowing. It will flow through our hands. It will go wherever it is destined to go. And my um, question to you this morning is, how much do you allow yourself to flow with the fullness of what God wants in your life? Because some of us are even hanging on people in the river with the hope that that's going to help us to get, you know, it's, it's strange how we want to believe that, you know, it's the people that you know that will take you to places rather than the God that you know. Those are the things that we often tell ourselves. It's about who we know. It's not about what you know. Those are principles that we take right out of the business world and we, we're telling ourselves that that's going to bring all the difference in our lives. And yet, the river flow where it wants. But you'll have to surrender and allow the river to bring you to a place of fullness. And, um, you know, calling Him Lord does not define you. The presence of the Spirit um, is. The Lordship is one thing. Surrender to His flow and to be guided where His Spirit flow is a total new level. Some of us see Him as Lord the whole time. We want to do whatever He says and will and that's fine, but that's just the start. Because a surrender to, to, to His flow means that you and I understand where He's going. We, we spend time with Him and we, we love Him enough to, to know that He's God. He's Lord and He knows best for me. And He actually loves me enough that He will see my life come to fruition. So the second thing that I want to mention this morning, where does the water go? Whatever it touch brings life to you, this piece of scripture says. Whatever it touches brings life to you. Now, the Dead Sea is dead. I don't know if, um, if some of you went to the Dead Sea before. Can I just get an indication? Did somebody go to, oh, I'll pray for this church. We'll, um, we'll get you to Israel some, uh, some other time. Have you been there, Chrissy? Okay, praise God. <laughs> But the Dead Sea is dead. I promise you there's nothing going. I don't know if you have that picture there, um, um, Nigel. Yeah, it's dead. Okay, there's nothing growing on the banks. It sounds very romantic. Okay, you hear about these um, stories of people drifting, you know, on the waters. I hated every moment of it <laughs> because my eyes were burning of the salt um, and, uh, you know, it tastes like salt, it's, it's muddy, it's, it's really not as romantic as they uh, would want you to believe. Okay, it's dead. There's nothing going in the Dead Sea. Um, there is no life in it, and uh, the salt is so much in the Dead Sea that uh, it brings no life. Now, there's even, you know, um, uh, a belief that this was the place where Sodom was... Um, at and, and because of um, the judgment over Sodom, that's the reason why there's nothing growing. Um, and, um, but the Dead Sea is so dead, and yet in the midst of this, and in the midst of a messed up culture that we are living, you know what's beautiful about Ezekiel's life? When he gets out of this river and he faces the banks, he's surprised because it's not the messed up culture of Babylon that he's seeing. It's not the devastation of the deadness of the Dead Sea that he's seeing, but it's the promise of life that this water is bringing into the Dead Sea. And so this destructive river became the river of promise. Month after month, it is producing fruit. You were dead until he touched you. Um, there's all kinds of fish. Now, I want to just quickly show you. 
there's all kinds of fish there. There's, um, there's growth to the point where there's trees that bears fruit. And um, it says that even fish like the Mediterranean Sea. Um, and the leaves bring healing. And um, it brings life to whosoever are spiritually dead so that they can receive life. But you know what? It says that the marshlands stayed salty. It stayed without life. And I want to say to you this morning, in order to receive the life of Christ in our lives, in order to be transformed by Him, some of us must put the marshlands behind us. Some of us must allow the marshlands to, to be cut off from us in order to receive the life that Christ wants in our lives. Because the marshlands will stay dead. <laughs> and until you can come to the place where you cut the marshlands off, you will never be free in a place where Christ can touch you. Verse 12, the leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. But they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. So, bearing fruit is not just touching us, but touching those around us. Because of the river inside of you, so ever spends time with you, will be transformed. Not because of what you are doing, but because of what Christ is doing in your life. So thirdly, where does the power come from? The source of the river is from the throne of Christ, from um, the throne room itself. It's the life-giving power of God. And you know, this is the old story. We know that Adam and Eve were separated from God, and yet in all of this, they had the amazing presence of God in their lives, the fullness of of the river of life flowing in them. And then we see how even through all of this being uh, removed from paradise, they were removed from the presence of God. And God so wanted to get back to His people that He was making even covenants to promise them that He will stay with them. And with these covenants, we know that it went to a place where God's people said, but God, we, we want Your presence among us. Moses said, let us not go if you are not going with us. And they built a tabernacle. And from the tabernacle, they went to a place where they centralized even the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem, making a, um, a temple for God so that they con con can contain His presence, so that they can have a bit of God's presence in the midst of them. And then we know that um, through Jesus Christ being um, risen on the third day, we can get the decentralization of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God. And I want to say to you this morning, it's strange how this temple, you know, um, bring promise to the, the people of, of God, and yet to us as Christians, the same that when Christ touches us, when the Holy Spirit is operating in our lives, He transforms. And my question to you again this morning is, is He really transforming your life? Is it a reflection of how powerful the little trickle is when it comes underneath the throne? Or our ability and our expectation for Him to do mighty exploits in our, in our lives? And I want to swim. I want to be at the place where God can allow me to not have control. And it's difficult because I've got all kinds of plans of how that should look like. I've got all kinds of ideas of how He must manifest in my life and how He must come through for me. And I, I often, you know, even get on my knees um, when I'm knee-deep and I, I ask Him, God, please, get, you know, I want to get this breakthrough. <laughs> and yet the river flows wherever um, it wants. Revelations 22, verse 1 to 4. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life. This is beautiful. It's so consistent with what... Um, Ezekiel showed us, bright as crystal, this is the last chapter of the Bible, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month, consistently producing fruit. 
The leaves of the trees or the tree were for the healing of the nations, for others. It's first of all for you. Christ wants to touch your life and wherever that river touches you, it transforms you. But then again for the people around you and for the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And His servants will worship Him. They will see His face and His name will be on their foreheads. How many people at your work knows that Christ's name is on your forehead? <laughs> we become so secretly serving Christ that we are happy to be ankle deep because it's so convenient not to be accountable to serving Christ. Uh, so we can choose when we want to be recognized by Him being the Lord in our lives. And it was said this morning, and I want to say to you this morning, this is no condemnation because when the river flows, it flows. And people will recognize it and they will not be able to deny the work of God in your life. It's beautiful to hear... Um, Mel sang this morning, you know, I know that Sefiso is not the kind of guy that will take out the Bible every day um, at um, Hamilton. <laughs> but everyone knows where that source is coming from. There's no ways that they can not recognize the work that Christ has done in his life. And so you know what happens is we want the full and amazing experience of the power of God and the river that flows through us and brings the dead sea to life. And yet we're not willing to swim, to allow the river to take us to the place where he can um, be become full in us. And so it says that it, um, it's for the king of the nations. And um, Ezekiel 37, verse 3 to 10. And I want to end off with this this morning. Quickly, if you can stand. If I can ask David to, um, to just... Um, <coughs> something in the in the background you know all that I want to ask you this morning stop thinking that you are the amazing person that is so gifted that can produce the kind of fruit with eternal value because you can't it's time to surrender in the river but you know what the river is Amazing. When the river starts to flow, it produces fruit and whatever it touch, it change. Whatever people you spend time with, they testify. There's something different. I don't know what, but you're a dad in my life. I don't know what's happening, but you know, you are the leader. Because there's something different in you. I want to be at a place where Christ can operate through. Some of us are just so satisfied, and I know it's not this church. You're amazing. You are all jumping in the river. You're swimming. You are. There's fish all over, and it's trees and fruit, and it's amazing stuff. But some people... <laughs> Still is just sitting with their feet in the water, on the side, observing. And all that I want to say to you, you know what? There's no condemnation in Christ. It's not as if He's going to force you to do anything for Him. <laughs> He's totally in control. He has the ability to heal the nations. Whoever touches the tree, eats the fruit, Because it brings healing. But Christ has a desire to transform you. And you will have to open up and say, Christ, I want to live for you alone. I want to, I want to give you total, total control. I want to surrender. I want to swim in this river. Ezekiel 37, listen to this. This is beautiful. Verse 3. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh Lord, God, 
you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Britain, UK, Behold, God will cause His breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and I will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath into you. And you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And I, as I prophesied, there was a sound and behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Oh God, we come to you this morning and we recognize the trickle. We even recognize the trickle in one another, Father God. Even though, Father God, it's it's not even um, obvious. Even though, Father God, it's not yet a mighty river, there is a trickle. And Father, we as a church want to come to you this morning and we want to say, let this trickle become a mighty flow, a massive force to be reckoned with that can change and heal the nations. Our desire, Father God, is this morning that you will take each one of us, Father God, and touch us with your river of life. That, Father God, you will become such a living reality to us that the place of surrender will be the place where you meet us. Oh God, more of you in our lives. As we stand in the presence of God this morning, you know where you are with Christ. You know, you know, if you're the one that, that actually, um, you know, is just splashing ankle deep and you're satisfied with it. You know if there's marshlands in your life that needs removing. You know, you know if you need the touch of God to, again this morning, just be renewed in your life. And all that I want to trust God this morning is that you will touch the river of life again. And um, I want to ask David to, to play a song, you know, or <laughs> just, um, you know, go into worship. And uh, if any of you need this morning to just come to God and, and allow Him to touch you. And I want you to come to the front. You know, I cannot bring you life, but Christ can. And this morning it's time to, to go from ankle deep, to knee deep, to waist deep, to start swimming. And all that Christ wants to do is saying to you, it is because you don't have the strength that He has provided the river. It's because you are too salty and dead that He has produced the life-giving power. Just come and surrender. Just respond to Christ. Um, the turning yeah, this this one um, Korean lady that um, 
that was um, joining us to go into the streets and share the gospel and um, always smiling, such a beautiful face when you um, when you talk to her, it, it just feels that you touch life, you know, it's one of those people that you can just see, you know, she's just so excited about the Lord and and every day she harasses me with these amazing testimonies <laughs> of people that she has shared the gospel with, you know, ever since she asked me for my number just to, she said, I just want to inspire you from time to time and then literally every day I get these, um, you know, scriptures that she um, sends or, or, or these um, um, testimonies of people that she um, reached. She said, I got onto the station and, you know, I shared with this uh, young girl and, and she didn't want to receive Christ, but I prayed for her and, and uh, you know, that's life. You know, I, I listened to her and I realized that, you know, what a beautiful testimony of somebody that is not boxing Christ in, you know, on a Sunday. Not, not boxing Christ in whenever it suits her. She's living the life of, of, of abundance, of the fullness of Christ flowing in her. Now, I want to encourage you. This, I'm, I'm as challenged as you are, you know, with, um, with this word, not because it's heavy, just because it's so inspiring. It's, it's a message of hope. <laughs> it's one of, there's a little trickle that will become a river. Will you allow it to, to flow? And it's coming, I'm telling you. I can see it. I'm, I'm so proud listening to, to Mel this morning. I'm just so proud of, you know, us being faithful. You know, Serena this weekend just with the Liberty Cause. You know, just seeing being faithful and, and pressing in and trusting God, you know, with, with every little step that we conquer and take for Him. And um, I want to say to you, this is a message of hope. Not of where we are not but where we are going to. <laughs> um, and, um, and I am so excited about what Christ is, is doing in, in all of your lives. It's, it's precious. Um, and um, I want to encourage you in saying, keep on doing the good work. <laughs> you know, uh, Lara said it this morning, and uh, I want to just um, re-emphasize that. Keep on doing what Christ is doing in your life, because it will become a, a mighty river. Not because of you, but because of Christ that can do it. It's coming from, from the throne room. Even though it's a trickle, it will become a, a, a river. So um, I'm going to end off in prayer. If you need any prayer this morning as well, even if it's just one of hope, just let's pray and trust God for that mighty river. Uh, please, please come to the front. Otherwise, there's some nice coffee afterwards and uh, probably something to eat. Um, uh, enjoy time together. And... Um, and I want to encourage you, and this is now a challenge because I cannot go without a challenge. <laughs> um, we can't trust God to build trickles that will become rivers of life in people's lives without facing them relationally. <laughs> and the reason why I'm saying this my question to you would be, are you spending time with somebody that you are imparting in? And I'm not saying a deliberate discipleship walk. I'm saying at your workplace, like we've heard this morning, the testimony as well. Are you busy touching people's lives? And that's not going to happen with WhatsApps. And you need relational time with people. You know, it was so beautiful. Ruth and my wife has the tendency to... Uh, to sit on a pizza Friday night until, was it half past 11, 12 o'clock, um, whenever she comes to visit. And I just go to sleep because I cannot keep up with them, you know. But it's just amazing how those moments transform your life. Spending time together in one another's presence. Um, stop being so busy that you don't get to people around you. And you always just talk about what you are doing rather than the people that you are spending time with. Take somebody out for lunch or, you know, if you can't afford it, um, go to Sainsbury's and get bread and do communion together or whatever. <laughs> but guys, there's ways. But we must set time apart to walk a road with people so that their lives can be transformed. 
that the trickles can become, you know, it's only love that's going to change people's lives. And that you need time with. And I want to encourage you with that. Our lives are too busy building all kinds of amazing things that we trust that we're going to... That work that you are in will not even remember you when you're gone. <laughs> and I'm not saying that to be nasty. I'm saying it's the people that you invest in that, um, that will be the value of your life. That will be the things that you will be excited about one day. Um, and, uh, and, and, and my, my appeal to you this morning is just set more time apart to spend time with people and to, uh, to invest in their lives because you've got the rumor of life in you. Stop believing the lie that you don't have anything to offer. You do. You actually have it more than you think. The world out there is a marshland. It's a dry place and it needs God desperately. Amen. Father, we thank you for this revelation this morning. We ask that you will help us to, to get rid of our marshlands. But, oh God, more than that even, Father, to experience your mighty river to flow through us, not just into us. Because we know that the Dead Sea can only come to life when it has an outflow. And uh, this morning we ask for an outflow that will... Um, Go through us, Father God, and transform lives around us because of what you've done, because of who you are, because of what you've, you've um, been busy with in our lives. And, oh God, we know that you are not, you're not stopping. You are committed. You even make covenants with your people to remind them of your faithfulness, not of our faithfulness, of your faithfulness. And, Father, we know that your covenant stands. You said that your son has set us free. We walk in that freedom. And Father God, we, we ask you to use us to the extension of your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys.